Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to Off the Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore, it's another episode. Today's episode, I sit down with King Creso. Kenny is a delight. It's it's quite a strange one, this, because well, Kenny's never used Zoom before. Um, we we get into the conversation straight away, actually, and uh, and I wasn't sure if he was recording or if he wasn't, but um, the the Zoom call was recording, and so what you'll get at the beginning is maybe some Zoom audio for about two minutes uh, before I realise that what we're talking about. Is really fascinating before we even get into the the song pick so i then press record on the the audio recorder so uh, a couple of minutes in you'll you'll probably see a a huge lift in the audio quality um and it's a delight i mean in regards to to how kenny lives his life it's fascinating it's a life that i think so many of us could probably benefit from you know taking a little bit uh from from his lifestyle and his stance on technology and social media and stuff it was it was quite quite an eye-opener um that the the, the the beginnings of this podcast and then then we get into the the, the songs and kenny's song picks up a remarkable and and there's there's some wonderful chat about um talk talk in there no spoilers there um and and we go on and, and, and then get on to the new record uh which j- just go and check out uh the the, the, the recent sort of singles it's just beautiful. Um, and so, yeah, that's all to come in a second. But before we get on with the chat, um, just a few thank yous. I'd like to thank the team at the Blue Murder Club podcast because they produce this episode. Uh, they produce all the episodes. Um, and I'd also like to thank uh, my homeboy, Mr. Scroobius Pip, um, who is the guy that got us involved in podcasting many years ago um purely by coincidence because for some reason he decided to let me on his uh legendary distraction pieces podcast where uh, we would get drunk and talk nonsense and somehow it enabled me to kind of creep in the back door of uh, podcasting uh, unnoticed and uh, and develop these podcasts one of which is is off the beaten track which I'm so proud of now and I, I'm so lucky that I get to have conversations like the one that um, you're about to hear. Um, if it's your first time listening, hello. Um, we're over 500 episodes in, so you've missed loads. And uh, and when you get to the end of today's chat with Kenny, then why not go and explore the back catalogue? Because there's there's hundreds and hundreds of, of ace chats with 
some fantastic musicians, uh, some incredible actors, uh, comedians, uh, producers. Um, I won't list them all because uh, we'll be here forever. But go and have a rummage in the archives because there's so many episodes available all for free. And the reason that they're for free is because I've got this little thing that that kind of brings in a little bit of income with this podcast and it's my Patreon. And I know that people are, are living in a cost of, you know, a, a cost of living crisis at the moment and don't get me started on the Tories. But um but yeah, we are um we, we, we sort of try and monetize the podcast. I say we, me, uh by doing this Patreon. And so over on Patreon um, it costs a uh, dollar a month. So it costs you about seventy, I think about seventy-five p at the moment to to become a Patreon, uh, and that in, just means that basically you support the podcast. But what I do as well is on Patreon, um, I give you lots of stuff, so you can watch all the episodes of Off the Beaten Track on there. If you like to do the the video thing, you can watch uh, all the chats. Um, I put up lots of playlists and mixtapes. Uh, there's a huge archive of radio shows that I've done where uh, I'm not going to explain a radio show. I think you know what they are, music and chat, yeah? And uh, and then there's also loads of uh, episodes in the archives that have never been released. And that's all for, for 75p a month. And the other thing that I think is, is the real kind of good, the really good thing about um, supporting the podcast on Patreon is I do a monthly hangout. And it's a little live show, and uh, and it's done on Zoom, and and you're all invited, and you can all come on, and we pick a little subject. We've just recorded one, which was cover versions, and uh, and everybody comes along, and one at a time, we all talk about our favourite cover versions, and and I think you know we've done music videos, and we've also worked our way through the the song questions that we do on the podcast as well. So we do them every month, and they're they're a lovely, a really lovely little thing. Anyone that's heard this podcast before, you know, you've often heard me tell you about how much I love these monthly hangouts because there's such a lovely little gang of people that have uh, that have got involved in them and and it's not some snobby elitist I work in a record shop kind of high fidelity thing which we talk about on today's episode so funnily enough um it's just a really lovely little chat between a load of people just talking about records that that mean something to them uh and so yeah you can get access to that and like i said all the other stuff and watch all the episodes for 75p a month and that's at patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash off the beat and track um and i'd really appreciate it if you can you can support that because um yeah that's that there's no sponsors on this podcast um and so yeah that's the way that we we sort of keep this podcast ticking over is the Patreon. So if you can get involved and support the podcast, I will love you forever. Um, other than that, just give us a like, love, share, or a retweet on the socials, or just uh, go full old school King Creosote and just tell your mate if you haven't got a phone or if you haven't got uh, any technology, just nudge your friend and say there's this podcast. But then again, if you've got no technology, I don't know where you can listen to it anyway. So scrap that idea. Anyway, look, I'm going to just get straight on with uh, the podcast. But all of that stuff that I've mentioned, your one-stop shop is the website, which is offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. Please enjoy today's episode of Off The Beat and Track Podcast with the delightful King Creosote. <laughs> It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. It me, Stu Whipping.
Okay, we are recording. Kenny, how are you today? I'm very well, thanks. Uh, your face has just gotten blanked out by a little box of tricks here. I'm loving this. So for, for it's listeners... Said, oh. it's, said, it's because you said the, oh. the, it's being recorded. Right, okay. This is, this is fantastic because... Um, Bizarre. I mean, I find this quite bizarre, and I'm going to ask uh, a little bit more about this. This is the first time you've used Zoom, Kenny. Very first time. I mean, that must have been a lonely lockdown, mate. Um, no, I, I, uh, I, I avoided all, all of the nonsense and just got out and about. Yeah. Um, no, um, no I've, I've for forever, I've avoided these digital applications. So I've never done social media um, for a while, I had I still have an email address, but for a while, I had a BlackBerry that yeah. Derek here kind of urged me into. But that would be the the late noughties. Yeah, and uh, and avoided a mobile phone number for a long time. Um, and then by the time I realised that things had moved on quite as far as they had with technology, you know, I was woefully I was still like on the digital sort of abacus really i was struggling with texts and um the reply all getting me into lots of trouble and um so it was it was i just ducked out of it so now i have no wi-fi no mobile phone i've never signed up for direct debits um so i don't do any online anything if i can avoid it including this so i've avoided it Um, (laughs) i mean i think that's that's a world that we'd all like to live in. And I, I just, I find it really daunting, the thought of trying to sort of uh, uh, to do that. But I guess that's the dream, right? If you can sort of live your life without any of that, it's going to be a far more calmer place, right? Oh, way calmer. And, and when people, it's actually harder for other people because they have to have, they, you become, I become the guy that, uh, people can't get a hold of last minute and they can't change any sort of itineraries last minute and there's no texting me to say I'll just be another 10 minutes so because if they are another 10 minutes I, I've gone yeah. so it actually it slows life down quite a lot yeah. uh, and it was remarkably easy because um, I live in a village just further along the East Nuke and there's no mobile reception anyway so a mobile phone was next to useless. Um, I had to get rid of my broadbra- uh, broadband um, broadband broadband because it just broke, and uh, BT refused to fix it. <laughs> that was that simple. So you know, after six months of paying for a service that is never going to work again, yeah, I was already used to not having any of that, and I'd um, eat, as as the years have gone on, I've, I refused to pay. My band with bank transfers. I'm still a check and cash guy. Yeah. So there's many things that I dodged anyway. Ne- never had a Apple Pay or anything like that. PayPal. Yeah. Um. And then as far as websites go, my, one of my pals who actually lives here in Ely, he dealt with all the internet. Um. You know the uh, updating of domain names and uh, keeping everything on track. So I've just he dealt with it, and then yeah. I just just went. I'm not interested, and um, yeah, I've, I I don't know the other. I don't know this the side of uh, life where 
people all get together in some sort of common knowledge that they all know what they all read on social media that week. Yeah. And, and so don't talk about it. Yeah. I assume that, that I do know what has all gone on. Yeah. So it can be quite a silent world because nobody talks anymore. They all just assume that everybody knows. <laughs> I think I think you're winning. I really do. I think you're winning. Yeah, uh, uh, you're you're definitely getting it right because I think we could all do with just coming off the gas a little bit with. with and here, and so the things you need to do is you need to get yourself a watch because a lot of phone usage I found was just checking the time. That's <laughs> so true. So if you get a watch and then you get one of these little notepads, uh, I, I remember them. Yeah, they're little. They're like a. I'm gonna say they're a six, but they're the tiny ones. But they're roughly the size of a mobile phone. Or you yeah. could back to smoking and put. But as long as there's the thing that you check every day that you leave the house, you go get wallet, keys, and that thing in that pocket. Yeah. And then with I tell you, man, within two weeks you will you, you don't miss your phone. It took two weeks. Right. And that. But then I wasn't a huge phone user anyway. I used to leave it everywhere and nowhere yeah uh, now i've got glasses to worry about these aren't actually, these aren't actually my glasses these are just uh magnifiers because i'm losing them all the place but yeah yeah, but yeah go for it you should try it it's great it yeah, is good. absolutely absolutely it's this uh, i find it like doing this sort of podcast and this this is completely sort of diy and and and, and trying to sort of you know sort of monetize it in any way possible and it's it's you know it's, it's not a very easy thing to do and I do sort of rely on getting the word out about it on social media. And I'm kind of sort of not chained to it, but it is free marketing. And, yeah. and when you haven't got money for a marketing budget, it's like, right, we've got to kind of use what's at yeah. the disposal. But I do find if I go on there to post about an episode, before you know it, I'm just stroll like just scrolling through absolute shit and like and and it's it's not good for the head it's really not and that's where the that's where the cost of it comes because it's not free on your time yeah it's not free on your mental health it's not free on your stress levels and then um, you know I, I turned up here in Ely today wearing an actual tin foil hat because I get terrible <laughs> I get terrible tinnitus no, 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 uh, and vertigo and um, and it's this last ten days, I've basically had to build a little Faraday cage inside my hat, um, and it has aided my uh, my sleepless nights. It has taken a little bit of the edge off my anxieties, and um, my tinnitus has not gone because it'll never go, but it's definitely calmed down. Um, now that a, a, a skeptic will say, there's many other factors involved in that, and I'm sure there are. But um, I don't, as I say, I don't have Wi-Fi at home, um, and I do notice that if I'm ever trying to sleep in a place with Wi-Fi, well, I don't sleep as well. Yeah. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. And like allergies. Really? So there's a few things that, that point to, well, it's EMF radiation, isn't it? So your 5G, your microwaves, your 5G, 6G, whatever else is going on, things like uh, tinnitus, uh, vertigo, sleeplessness uh, and increase in allergies they're all related it's just mild radiation poisoning really yeah so i'll try anything i'll try anything before i go to a doctor and when i was in at my chiropractor on wednesday night i thought he'd laugh me out of the shop but no uh he told me a story of a physics pro uh, professor at st andrews uni 
who built a Faraday cage around his smart meter at home and his wife's health improved overnight. Wow. So they are. They know about it. Yeah, of course. I mean, isn't uh, isn't it just France have banned the iPhone 15 for its radiation? Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so they are. Oh, health hazards. Yeah. One more picture. One more right, picture. Right, one picture. One more picture, guys. And um, you need to crack on. Right, let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, okay. Okay. Right. Um, Kenny, Stop. I'm going to ask you for track one yeah. to tell me the first uh, the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro, please. So it's by Talk Talk, and it's getting late in the evening. I mean, let's let's talk about talk talk because um i mean they're, they're from my neck of the woods uh yeah. they're they're uh they're essex boys and I, I mean one of the things that 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 i think kind of sometimes gets overlooked with with, with talk talk is you know a phenomenal band and but i don't think enough emphasis ever gets put on just how unique mark's voice was like, I don't think it sounds like anything else. Yeah. Well, and the the evolution of the band that still held that voice, um, it, it, it's not like his voice, as unique as it is, was ever out of place, whether they, with, you know, the electro sort of synth pop beginning right the way to this sort of avant-garde jazz influenced, yeah. you know, and... As his records went on, he kind of sang less and less. Yeah. And yet his voice, you'd think it's somebody that's um that's got a unique voice like that, you'd almost think it would be the opposite. That once he found his voice, because singers all singers all merge from a younger trying to be a singer into somebody that's happy in their own vocal cords, if you like. That's a that that just takes time and it takes confidence and it takes uh, not caring about what anybody thinks, and usually when that happens, vocalists tend to use their voice more. <laughs> but he did it the other way around. He, <laughs> I mean, he's famous for saying, you know, if you've got the choice of three notes and two, pick the two notes. But if it's two notes and one, pick the one note. And if it's one note or silence, go for silence. Yeah. And he did that with his own vocals. And I think it's that spirit, because I think most voices, if you get, it doesn't matter how good a voice, if you hear it too often, it becomes annoying. Yeah. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And, you, and that, that's the curse of, like myself, who's done so many albums. People are annoyed by my voice. And I get it, because I am. But, um, but Mark Hollis was very, very, very shrewd, I think. And he realized that in order for that not to happen... Yeah, uh, and you concentrate more on each syllable because of that, and then you realise just how good a voice the man had. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because he did less with it, and um, I mean, on these later records, especially the solo Mark Hollis album, I mean, he's whispering through that. Yeah, and yet he could see him sing live. I mean, he's proper like he's almost got a bagpipe player's neck. Yeah, yeah. Like the effort he puts in, when so, um, he was able to belt it out with the best of them, and yet the control. So, um, yeah, I was I was a fan of the entire package. But having read the book by um, the engineers at Phil Brown, um, in which he talks about the the two the the last two Talk Talk albums and then the solo Mark Hollis album. Um, if you haven't read it, you should definitely yeah. Uh, read the, um, what Mark Hollis put that band through to achieve, you know, laughing stock and yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, that it's getting late in the evening. I, um, I got it as the B side. First heard it as the B side to "Life's What You Make It." Yeah, uh, and as an intro, it's utterly beguiling, and it gives you absolutely zero hint as to what is coming next. Um, and it. And even now I can play that track and it still throws me. I'm like, oh, what's this again? Yeah. You know, a song that I've played, I don't know how many times. I mean, the, if you'd asked for what was the best middle eight in a song, I would have picked It's Getting Late in the Evening as well. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It's just, I think it's an, a momentous piece of work and yet it never went on any of the official albums. Yeah. Um, and, as, and to throw it away as a B-side... <laughs> like wow! I mean, most bands would give everything to have it's getting late in in the evening as yeah. in song that you know. Anyway, uh, yeah, absolutely brilliant song. Am I right in saying that you contributed a track to a a, a talk talk uh, tribute record? Yes, I did. But I'm in. I'm in. I'm, I've always been in two minds about the covering songs. I mean, I do it live, but when you when you put it onto record. It's almost like you upset everybody. You upset the fans. How dare you think that you can, you know. Do you think so? Yeah. And these people are always the loudest to comment as well. Yeah, but they're, they're, if, if you love it, you probably just enjoy it. But if you don't like it, then people generally complain, right? But they should shut up. Yeah, like, people should remember that if you have nothing good to say, say nothing. Completely, completely. But, <laughs> but um, and then there's the your own, and then it's embarrassing if your own. Well, I've got very few fans and had at the time, but if they jump on it in a sort of oh, now the song makes sense or some nonsense, it's like oh god, this is a cringe. Um, so my my best anecdote of that is when Malcolm Middleton covered one of my songs, and on the flip side, I covered one of his. And that seven-inch single lost us half of both our fans. Yeah, 
Derek's chat. Well, you, you got a finish at 10.50. Oh, 10, so, yeah. oh, 10.50, right. Okay, let's do this. Next. Um, okay, next track. I'm going to ask you for the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please. So it's The Most Beautiful Girl by Charlie Rich. Mm. I was probably three or four years old. We were on a family holiday to Aviemore with neighbours. One of those neighbours being um, Mrs Gibb, uh, Gibbs, who I was just besotted by, even at that age. And she looked like, you know, there's a very famous painting that through the 70s of a dark-haired woman curled around a tree. Yeah. She looked like that, right? Like something out of a an early Elvis Hawaiian kind yeah, of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, we got to the chairlift, and she was terrified of getting on the chairlift. And was 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 having histrionics, was crying, was you know my mum and dad were like, "I'll be all right," and and the most beautiful girl came on in the on the radio, and the crying and the the beautiful Mrs Gibbs, and um, yeah, that was it. Boosh, <laughs> I was um, that was um, what the dream. <clears throat> and if you had to sort of pinpoint what that emotion was, what was it? Um, uh, well, I suppose sympathy. Um, caring um just that the agonize the agony of of loss i suppose yeah. okay uh, i just got it right there and then through that entire kind of scenario somehow and i've never forgotten and ever even when i hear the song now it's uh yeah it's <laughs> it's a beautiful beautiful uh record um for track three Kenny, I'm going to ask you to tell me about the song that reminds you of your time at school, please. Yeah, Pink Floyd's The Wall. Um, of, there's, I mean, we don't need no education, but when I went to Coriment High School um, in St Andrews, so this is like, the, I went there at the end of 1979, autumn 1979, and then that track came out when I was in my first year. And when I was in my first year at high school, uh, Grange Hill was very much one of the, yeah, yeah. And I found Grange, I couldn't watch Grange Hill. I just found it too bleak. And when I went to high school, I realised that all high schools were that bleak. <laughs> now, I always thought Pink Floyd's The Wall was quite a bleak sounding song. I mean, I like it, I like it more now. In fact, I think it's excellent. But back then, the creepy kids choir and the and it, and it just cemented the Dark Nights, the 60s monstrosity of a school. It was a big school. It was full of terrors. Um, I was a wee guy. Uh, you know, it just it encapsulates the whole thing. The whole, the terror, the dark nights, the, uh, what am I doing here? <laughs> Life, it, to start with the most beautiful girl and end up with the wall, you know. <laughs> but the thing is, as well, right by 10 years. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and the thing is with the wall as well, I mean, um, you know, again, I'm, we're probably not too dissimilar in age, and and seeing the video for the wall on top of the pops as well was equally as harrowing. Just sort of seeing these people being put in a mincer and just being minced, it was like, oh my god! Yeah, like it was, grim. it was really, really grim. And I, I loved at the time. I was into all sorts of. Like, I loved Blondie, and I was into the Jam, and you know. And then this thing came along, and it, it's like it almost ruined the chart for a while. Yeah, I know what you mean. You know what I mean? It just hung around. <laughs> yes. uh, and it was just, yeah. And I mean, I got, I got used to turning the chart off at the top three. You yeah. know, 
I mean, in 82, I was champ- championing uh, Dexys the whole way, and it was great when they got to number one, but when they slipped from number one with uh, Come On Eileen, I mean, I was gutted. Yeah. I was just like, oh, it's over. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was, um, yeah, but the wall, it, it, it's not that, I'll, I mean, as I say, I love it now, but back then, I, it just it just cemented the terror of going to high school. So um, you didn't enjoy school? I did not enjoy school. Um, moments of it, and I and I liked my group of pals, but um, and I was good at school as well. I was just too scared. Um, I did ask awkward questions a lot. Um, I've always done that, but um, but not if I was. I've never put my hand up in class if I knew the answer, and never did. The, the terrors were. And, and now, Kenneth, you translate this Latin passage. Oh, oh. You know, um, so I just I tried to keep my head head low He's, and uh, just uh, get through it. Are you sort of, was that a response to? I guess certainly, you know, from where I was growing up and, and going to school, it wasn't cool to be bright or inquisitive. You know that 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 wasn't what the cool kids wanted to be doing. Is is that pretty much what it was for you? Well, I I got into a gang that it, I'm not saying it was cool, but there was enough of us were competitive enough in that way. But I think it was just that I never I was never in any of the sports teams or anything. Yeah. Or um, I I was just shy. Uh, I I was immature or certainly looked at. I always looked really young. Um, I'm not I'm not tall. I don't have the stature to. So, I mean, I was a fast runner. But there must have been something about me because I don't, I didn't get into that many scrapes. So I don't know if it was the gift of the gab under pressure or if maybe I looked a bit crazier than I was or something. Yeah. But the most of the bullies left me alone, which was weird because I was terrified of them all, terrified of everything. Um, and certainly a few teachers, but... Um, I didn't try at all at school, and yet I just sailed through it. I found maths, physics, languages, um, geography. I found it all incredibly easy, and I had a very good uh, short-term memory. So I was just, I'm straight A's all the way, without, without even. And my mum and dad never pushed me to, to to study. I was just left to it, meaning it was all last minute. Yeah. Um, I was always three minutes late every morning. Uh, <laughs> I just I don't know. It's it, it's not a blur because I could remember lots of individual in, uh, moments at school, but none of them with me in the starring role. If you know what I mean, yeah. I was a was a real bystander and a real. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Like maybe that's how I never got picked on. Yeah, uh, I just I just wanted to get through it with no fuss. Uh, if there had been a time traveling device, you know, if you'd step in here now, you will miss these years. I would have done it. Did you have any idea what you wanted to do when you left school? Uh, I, no, none at all. 
Um, but I was steered towards um, electronics. Um, well, in my fifth year, I was given four choices. It was uh, accountancy, law, medicine, or engineering. And I remember saying, but it must be more than that. <laughs> I quite enjoy art. And they're like, no, no, with your grades, and we've looked at what, that's it. And I was like, oh, well, it has to be engineering. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Off to Edinburgh I go. Um, and it was through university I realised, not maybe what I wanted, well, I realised what I wanted to do with my life. I, I, I became a recording junkie yeah. from age 18. That's all I did for four years at Edinburgh. Yeah. And my last minute kind of short-term memory really started to fail me as the years went through. And I kept trying to get out of uni only to, look, first year is just a, rev- a revision of sixth year. It'll get better. End of second year. Look, just do one more year. You've got an ordinary. End of third year. Well, look how quickly that went, you know, yeah. and so on. So I, I finished and I, I got a, whatever I got, two, one and something. Handed it over to my mum and went off busking for two years around Europe. So you can imagine the shame of that. <laughs> <laughs> We're black affronted. <laughs> Kenny, I'm going to ask you, please, to tell me uh, the first song you remember buying from a record shop, please. Right. So it was the 12 inch single of uh, Swan's Way's Soul Train. Yeah. Uh, now, I, when I was a baby, what age would I be when I got, remember the little plustron? Uh, they had a little television. They had a radio and a tape deck on the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember those? You have so, one of them. Yeah, yeah. I still got one. Wow. Them. So I used to tape from the tube. I used to tape was primed. Yeah. And then I would just, it was on pause. And I always tried to edit out, you know, Jules Holland's voice or whomever. And, you know, go. And if it was a song I wasn't into, I would just stop it, rewind, and try and get the next one. Yeah. And I think Swansway, when they came on and I just caught it, and I, I couldn't believe that a song like this in the 80s had arrived with this haunting cello and uh, sort of drive. It was just a snare, a cello and him uh, singing, or so it seemed from their live act. And then, yeah, I wore that tape out listening to that song. And I, I recorded it at a time when I was too afraid to go into the local record shop. Why was that? The guy was too cool. And I was fine. <laughs> well, high fidelity type stuff. Yeah. And, uh, well, in all shopping sprees, I can only buy the thing I want. Uh, even now, I can't go shopping. I've got to know what I want, know who's got it, hang the price. I'm just going to walk in. I want that. I pay for it. I leave. Yeah. That's it. And so, yeah, the arse is out of my jeans, but I hate shopping for anything unless I know exactly the thing. The terror of having to try something on in the shop. No thanks. <laughs> I totally get what you're saying. Uh, even, even worse than that is having to go back and exchange something. I mean, oh, it's well. not No, I yeah. would rather just walk around. I mean, I've torn trousers up rather than take them back. It's all <laughs> bad, but I did that. And <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, so yeah, I couldn't face going into that shop unless I knew exactly what it was. And anyway, this tape had worn out. I was like, I absolutely just have to get this. Yeah. Now, of course, when I went in there and asked for, could you imagine nervous trying to ask for the 12-inch version of Swansway's Soul Train? Could, could you imagine that? It just came out like a, like a streaming iron. Uh, 
But eventually, through tears and frustration, I think I wrote it down for the guy and he ordered it in and then back I went. Straight in, yeah. money counter, don't want the change, grab the record, get out of there yeah. as fast as I could get. And um, I'm sure the guy was perfectly nice. Yeah. But it was full of guys that had headphones on and, you know, yeah. spinning a bit of vinyl and asking really hip cat questions about some. Uh, and here's me like, oh, they're going to laugh at this. Swans yeah. me. You know, yeah. check out this little idiot buying this rubbish, you know, all that. So, um, yeah. So it was a while until I bought something else, put it that way. But yeah, uh, yeah that was that was my first. So, I mean, I know you don't like shopping, but, uh, you know, as the years have gone on, and did, did you ever kind of sort of enjoy the the, the experience of, uh, of of literally just crate digging, I guess, and, and and flicking through the records? And did that something did that become something that you enjoyed, or was just the, the, the whole kind of high fidelity elitism of the yeah. guy behind the counter thing too much? Now, through uni, I'd go in the HMV or whichever uh, shop in Edinburgh, and I'd just get the thing I wanted. Yeah, and and I. Uh, we go straight on to my Walkman. I'd probably, I always bought albums before I got on the stagecoach to Aberdeen because my girlfriend was in Aberdeen at the time. And um, so that's how I first heard Spirit of Eden from a cassette oh, really? on a Walkman. And the bit that only, the only bit that made sense to me in Spirit of Eden in the first listen, because I'm still stuck in the Colour of Spring, yeah. you know, played having played that. The only bit that really made sense was like track four, Start of side two, and that came on just as I went over the fourth row bridge, as it was. And when that choir comes in, you know, is it I Believe in You? It is. The choir, the choir came in, the stagecoach went over the hump of the fourth bridge, <laughs> and it was almost a kind of epiphany of uh, spiritual, um, every, it was everything, euphoria, um, music will save everybody type thing and so uh and then the only time i really got into the sort of um really going i, I was staying in a place called mosley and recording analog catalog so mosley's tied tied on to manchester one of the milling towns and it's built on a steep hill and i went down into the village and i found this second hand emporium of everything like it was uh, this gigantic double warehouse of absolutely everything. And I just thought, I wonder if they've got records in here. <laughs> Did they have records? They had like the seven-inch singles, the 12-inch singles, and I was just going through them all, hoovering up anything I could get from the 80s that I either had had and lost, but it was mainly singles that I never bought in favour of buying the album when it came out. Do you remember yeah. that? You didn't have the money to buy singles then. So I, when I was at school, I was buying 12-inch singles and then I'd buy albums on cassette. 12-inch yeah. to, to get a different version of the song. But the 12-inch singles were great for giving you an idea as to where the band's head were actually at. You know, the songs that never made the grade, never got the, the flashy treatment. Um, and that gave you a good gauge of where the album might land, yeah. I found. So um, when it came to me finding this trove, treasure trove of seven-inch singles, um, I just I, I filled case, cases and cases of seven-inch singles. I bought hundreds of them. And they were all like 10 pence, yeah. 15 pence. This would be like in 2005, maybe. 
And um, that's probably the only time I've, I've gone back and back and back again. And trying. I was trying to find um, our friend's electric, uh, Gary Newman. That was the one that eluded me for ages. That's <laughs> Just, a fantastic piece of pop music, that is. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. And um, and I, did, I finally got it, but I must have gone through hundreds of singles. And that kind of broke me into going to Groucho's and Dundee. I didn't yeah. mind hanging out there. Um, but weirdly, I bought as many sort of secondhand hi-fi sets and stuff out of Groucho's than I did. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I used to leave with a pile of 12 in singles. But as I got older, I'm saying in my 40s at this point, I didn't care if anybody thought that a 12-inch single of Duran Duran was, you know, I didn't care. Yeah. And I needed to have that to, to complete. And I've just got hundreds of these things. Wonderful. I'm actually maybe going to do a DJ set tonight just for like a half hour in a place called Bread and Butter along in Anstruther. Uh, and I only, I only ever DJ 80s. Yeah. I don't crossfade or anything, but I've got a real sense, a good sense of what song would follow, you know, yeah, yeah, tempo wise. And yeah. I, I, guess, I mean, I haven't said it, I'm going to jinx it, but I get some really good kind of wow, that just yeah. <laughs> so yeah, fantastic. Tell me the song that, um, is your kind of uh, sort of late night, early morning listen. Yeah, so I wasn't. Yeah, when you said late nights, I was thinking about did he, did you mean party banging mm. tracks? But I've never really. I'm, well, you could probably tell by the music I write. I'm not that kind of, not really into that so much. So I went for the early morning. Yeah, and I I just I mean I was thinking of all the I mean what what could anything that's blissed out. But then I remember um, it's a few years back. Um, I'm not a great sleeper and I just uh, I'm going to say it was December 2016 or something like that and uh, I just kind of came to hearing this track on the radio um, and I hadn't heard it ever before that could you believe I'm, I'm, I don't listen to opera or um, and uh, I, I just had to get the name of it written down and just find it, and to and to find it, the only thing I could find was on one of these um, most relaxing classical yeah. uh, ever type thing. And I looked at that, and I mean, there's always a lot of dross on these things. Um, well, I can't say it's dross because it's all above what I do, but yeah, stuff I, I I'm not interested. And um, but I bought it double set just to get oh mio babino caro. Uh, and then, um, yeah, I just thought, well, that's as good as any. In fact, it's probably better than most. <laughs> yeah. So it was going to be that. It was going to be that or um, uh, um, Goretzky's Symphony Number no. 3. You know, something in that kind of lulling, hopeful, um, heartbreaking. It's a classical version of The Most Beautiful Girl, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Do you use it? Uh, yeah, do you not think? No, I mean, no. Do you, do you wait? You know, is that one of the things that you do in the morning? If you wake up, the first thing you do is put music on. Oh, see, sorry, I misheard that. Um, sorry. Uh, no, actually. Um, last thing at night, I would probably to try and sleep. Yeah. Um, but when I get up, um, 
No, well, I'm, I'm going to say something now that I've been really anxious over the last sort of three years and I've fallen down the wormhole of modular synths oh and, uh, and tape loops I've always been into. So I've seen me wake up at three in the morning in a right state and I just go straight to the modular or start cutting up tape loops. And I've been using music to calm me down this last while. To, to listen or to create? To create and to just yeah soothe the waves. Um, so yes, I suppose I do put music yeah. on, but it, 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 it's if I wake up in some kind of agitated way, I would do it. Whereas if I wake up normally, I just get up and out. Yeah, you know, sometimes without even taking the wheat bix. Straight. I've always been like that though. Even as a kid, I just got up and left. Yeah. I'm not get up and go out. I just go out. Where? Where? Well, I might go to the shop. I might just have to get do stuff. I have to just get out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why today was the gift because I, I was up really early, actually six o'clock, and I'm a big fan of farming simulator, so I was able to calm calm the waves without making too much noise today. But um, yeah, I'm just up now. Get up, get out. Fantastic. <laughs> I'd love to know um, your favourite song from an artist from your home county, please. So this is, yeah, Milton Balgoni, real name Pete Cura. And uh, when when my band came back from busking, this is the, the end of 1991, and we started to try and get lo local gigs. So we had a bluegrass band. And uh, we were trying to get local gigs, and we very quickly ran into the the sort of Fife music scene um, or a sort of, or oh, you've got, you've, you know, you've got, uh, you're going to have to stand on the shoulders of giants type, you know, here's the ones that came before. And so we heard about this band, Milton Balgoni and the Balgoni boys. And it was Pete Cura. Uh, he was given, uh, it was like a bet. Could he put together a tour around the ex mining towns of West Fife? So he accepted the challenge. And that tour was called um, Around the Bings in 80 Days. <laughs> and uh, his band was a three-piece. Uh, so it was Milton Balgoni. Uh, and the, they all had the spoof names of places in Fife. So there is a place, Milton of Balgoni, right, in Fife. They had John F. Kennaway. Uh, and they had Gary Cooper. Cooper, as in the town of Fife. And this song, Mary Marquis Kens My Feather. Well, Mary Marquis used to be on the Grampian News, I think. She's like one of these Scottish kind of personalities back in the 70s when we had like three channels or early 80s. And it's quite raucous. It's like, Mary Marquis Kens My Feather! Mary Marquis Kens My Feather! And um, <laughs> it just makes me uh, laugh. Yeah. And I've never forgotten and, and Pete Cura was a great beat poet. Um, he died recently of cancer, just early 60s, a real tragedy. But um, And he ran a framing, picture framing gallery in Cooper. And um, yeah, that's, I, I was with Scooby-Doo Orchestra. I wanted a song as good as Mary Marcos Ken's My Feather. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, look, this is your last track. Kenny, I'm going to ask you, please, to tell uh, the listeners of this podcast about... Uh, a song that you love that you would like them to hear? So, yeah, so my uh, 
long-suffering girlfriend, um, HMS Jennifer. She's got a song. It's uh, well, I think I, I mistitled it. It's not that stain on my skirt. I think it's that stain on your skirt. So it's um. Sorry, oh, yeah. I'm just closing uh, mail to stop these pings. Bing. I've just been told that I can do that. I'm a Luddite as there well. We so there you go. Pings. Did you get pings all the way through? Yeah. Did you get them at your end? I didn't know. Oh, right. Oh, okay, that's good. Um, yeah, so uh, let's see. Aye, that stain on your skirt. So it's like a duet. So I'd sing, that stain on your skirt. And then she'd go, and I can explain. Uh, I've just been at the dentist and I missed the train or whatever, right? So, um, and then it's got an amazing punchline. And the punchline is, and I'll say, and what about the smell of semen? And then she'll say, Kenny, you must be dreaming. It was that bottle of thick bleach I spilled when I was cleaning. <laughs> Seaman and dreaming, what an amazing <laughs> rhyme! <laughs> uh, Shakespearean, it's good, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's so there is a there is a live version of Jen and I singing that stain on your skirt, um, f- from years back, um, and you can find it. It was a guy, Pete Rabjohns, filmed it. We, we just sang it at his house and he put it up, and it's had about thirteen views, um. So, I don't think any of the 13 are maybe regular listeners of yours. <laughs> but, uh, as, a, as a very funny sort of pastiche of a country song, yeah, it's just, it's like, it's it's an absolute gem. It's only two verses. It'll not take up much of your time. Um, and each, you know, that straw in your hair, you know, <laughs> just, <laughs> um, yeah, it's brilliant. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Well, look, we spoke about lots of other people's music um, before we wrap this up, because I know you've got another interview uh, coming up shortly. Tell me about what's going on with your music. So we've got the, over the last three years, we've got a record finished, yay, called Happy Days, and it, it comes out in November, start of November. I think there's a, well, we've released three tracks already. we managed to get a sort of double A-sided single together uh, at the end of 2020. <laughs> and then just, it just took that long. Um, I refused to go into studios with all the cleaning and the one at a time, and uh, just it's not for me. So it's my keyboard player, Derek, uh, that did it all in his home studio. But he's an engineer at Chem19, so we got to use Chem19 for live drums and that sort of thing. And it's very much a kind of, um, it's like a a lot of the records started on my home recording machines. So all the songs were written after 2016, but before the cataclysm of 2020. Yeah. A couple that, you know, that I've written in 2020 that have stayed well clear of my personal views on. <laughs> and um yeah, so we got that done, and it's out in November. Uh, it's only nine songs, uh, but there's a drone comes with it that's about 40 minutes long, the drone. Yeah. Uh, drone yeah. in B-sharp. So it's effectively a double, but um, only because there's a drone of 40 minutes. Yeah. Um, uh, and so, but as I say, that's all largely been done by my keyboard player, Derek, since 2020, when we started on it. Um 
the the work I did on that record was all done pre twenty twenty, you know, from home. Yeah, uh, I, I since went back in and you know did co- accordion solos or did vocals. Not all; some of the vocals stayed from um, back in the day, and um, and then at home, I'm I'm still recording uh, furiously. It's like modular synths all the way, tape loops. Um, my lyrics have gotten very kind of. <laughs> Political, shall I say? Um, a lot of a lot of dissent in there, which doesn't really fit the Kinkrizo mold. Mm. I, I feel Kinkrizo is more of a kind of looking inward, and not so much pointing the finger. Uh, so I'm not sure where it's going to go next. But um, to avoid any, you know, censorship and all that, and Big Brother and the cancel culture, um, I've largely been making instrumentals. Um, and if I use my voice, it's as an effect. So that's kind of where my head's at. But it's kind of weird to step back into the the pre twenty twenty world, um, and hear this this record's all pre twenty twenty, but a, a lot of the themes are still relevant because a lot of the song, a lot of the songs were written in the lead up to my fiftieth and in the aftermath of. So a lot of the songs are very much about looking back and uh, try to get my head around dying and um, one of the songs blue marble the elm trees uh when i turned 50 i was actually going to kill off king Crizo altogether <laughs> that was one of the ideas just put a stop to it and do something else yeah. and you know with each album you do there seems to be greater and greater expectations and it's not often i feel i find i can meet those expectations so I w- that was one of my plans i would just put an end to king Crizo and have a last hurrah revisit my back catalog and then um yeah what happened we got live gigs to do from scotland with love which is an older project and then it just all i just missed the 2018 the sort of recording every two years i just missed that window and so it just got pushed forward yeah um so yeah the songs are all pre-2020 apart from two um and i've been very careful about what i've said in those songs and um it's just uh i don't know i i think it will chime with now because there's a lot of people just want to etch out the last three years but it's been such an anxious time for me that i, I can't i can't just etch it out it's like yeah. a lot a lot of bad things went on and are still going on so yeah that's where i'm at um yeah, a lot of the songs are about mortality yeah mortality as, well. as derek says a lot of the yeah the songs are about my mortality and my uh, and you're very funny about it as well and yeah just kind of trying to and within the record i'm actually trying to recap various styles that are yeah. so a lot of the tail outs of songs will mirror the sort of john hopkins era um, my f- fascination with tape loops and samples that are off kilter, they're all in there. The band that played on it, they all did that in the sort of 2020, 2021, everyone's stuck at home kind of mode. So they all played basically down the email wires, however that works. Leave that to Derek. And um, it was a a lot of the parts played by the band ended up in different places or got looped or got cut up and you know so it was a real it's a real produced record i would say which is different from the ones that came before that were more like band performance yeah. type ones. so that's i think where it differs 
But, you know, to be humble about it, I only write in so many different styles. And I do rely on a sort of a production element. So if you think back to like Casey Rules Okay, that was the early's influence. And um, then there's John Hopkins. And then I did a, a record with uh, Paul Savage at Chem 19. It was very sort of 80s. Electro that never really came out, but so I, I kind of rely on somebody taking the same old that I produce and giving it, you know, because in my imagination, my songs go everywhere. Yeah. But when it comes to, right, we're recording, I just fall back to, oh, I'll just use the two chords and, you know, falsetto it. Put it. <laughs> I'm not giving away all my tricks. I'm not. <laughs> um, so um, yeah, I, so I, it does sound like a King Crizot record. Of course, it does because my voice is my voice, yeah. and style is a song that I write. Uh, that's it. But in terms of its um, sort of sound palette, it goes quite far. I think there's a lot of synth work. As I say, there's a lot of the there's a couple of songs that have got the modular synth racket through it that evolving knock is it in is it out is it you know and i'm really happy with it i'm actually i'm delighted with it um i could always sing better on these records but there's one song called eight it's a sort of piano co-write with um derek or des as we call him des lawson um it's a co-write with him and um i don't think i've sung if i have sung better on a record I, I can't name the song. I've, I actually nailed it. And, it. and it's a hard song to sing. It goes into falsetto. It comes back down. It, You know, it kind of does all these things that I think on a good day I can do. And more often than not, when I'm in a studio, I'm just not on the best day. But this time around, I was on the best day. Fantastic. <laughs> Kenny, I can't wait to hear the record. Um, I wish you all the success with it. And and thank you so much for, for coming yeah. on the podcast today and for and for making it your first venture into the world of Zoom. I'm, I feel very <laughs> privileged that it was to have this conversation. And... My Zoom cherry has been bought. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm aware you've got another interview right now. So um, I will love you and leave you. And, and thank you yeah. once again for your time today, mate. It's been really, really lovely. Thank you. Feel free to edit into that, please, and take out what you like. It was fine, mate. It was fine. <laughs> Lovely to meet you both. Thank you so yeah. much. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Cheers. There you go. What a delightful chat that was. Oh, what a top lad. And, yeah, just great. I mean, when he starts saying about the, the sort of choice to, to completely rule technology out of your life in regards to sort of socials and phones and things like that, I was just kind of open mouth, just thinking this is just a perfect way to to kind of just dial it all back a little bit. But unfortunately, I just think we're in too deep now, right? Anyway, go check out King Chris. That's music if you haven't done so already. Um, I'm off to check out the uh, the the duet on YouTube. And uh, and thanks ever so much for listening. Go explore the back catalogue of this podcast. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of episodes. Uh, if you like your Scottish music, then uh, I have interviewed a whole world of incredible Scottish musical talent. Uh, and they're all there in the archives. Um, and if you just like good music, good comedy, good production, good acting, 
then go and check out the guests in the archive of this podcast. Everything you need to know about this podcast, you can find out at your one-stop shop, which is off the beatandtrackpodcast.com. I'm back next time. In the meantime, be nice to each other. Thanks again for listening. Bye-bye.